Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm all right, Philip. How are you doing? All right. Much going on this week. It's been an interesting week on the old social media. Barely looked at it. <laughs> I just don't see the point. I kind of feel it's the sort of place everyone agrees with everyone else. So you're not going to learn anything new. Might as well move on. <laughs> it's like a dream of perfection and exactly. not at all a cesspit of horror. Job well done, Tim Berners-Lee. I'm very glad he got feasted at the banquet for Great British Menu last week. He definitely deserves it when you go onto Twitter right now. It is a very tough place to be a Jew at the moment online. It is, and that's not to say it's not tough for other people as well, but it's particularly tough at the moment to be Jewish. And obviously we are both members of Equity as well, and there's been a lot of stuff in the media about Maureen Lippmann leaving Equity and various other Jewish performers as well. And you and I both did discuss doing it yeah. and we haven't yet because we've reached out to them and asked for a collective meeting which they have in principle agreed to I'm hoping that will be an opportunity for Jewish artists from lots of different genres of performance to be able to sit with the people who put out the various statements over the past week and just express why the Jewish performing community took issue with some of the language used and some of the decisions that were made. They've opened a door for us, so I think we'll pop our heads round, get to say our piece, and then see what comes of that. Of course, there are nice things about social media, which is that we get to engage with people who listen to our show, and everyone seems to like it. What's going on? <laughs> Who knew that would be a thing? We're getting some really, really lovely feedback from all of you who are taking time to get in touch. Particularly over the last couple of weeks, it's been amazing to have messages from people to say what listening to the show does for them, that they're hearing diverse Jewish voices, they're laughing at people's stories, but laughing in recognition. And that's been something quite wonderful. It's been a sort of touchstone through this quite challenging time. Just to have that familiarity of everyone talking about what their grandma's soup was like or you know how much they enjoyed bagels whatever it might be but uh, you can say that if you want we've had quite a lot of people that we've worked with or that we already know through being performers and because our backgrounds are both theatre and comedy and you find out things about your guests who are your friends that you'd never normally find out because when you're sitting backstage you might talk about a lot of things but you wouldn't necessarily say so where are your grandparents from actually I would say that you, you do totally would say that and it wouldn't just be to someone you know <laughs> that's you on a bus um but philip but has traveled with me to gigs across the world and he knows that this is very very true i'd be chatting to whoever was sitting near me and actually someone said to me it doesn't really matter who the guests are in terms of what their discipline is or what their religious background is it feels like somebody that you know when you hear those stories and it, mm. it does feel like you're having a chat with somebody that you can meet anywhere and when we think about like when we first thought about the show and we had this idea that it should feel like sitting around the table at a bat mitzvah when you got get put on the miscellaneous table with all different kinds of people. It makes me really happy when people get that, you know, they, they have that feeling. I'm sure everyone also is feeling like me right now, quite sad that we've missed Hannah's bat mitzvah this entire series. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Hannah got ditched. But uh, she got all the presents for two series, she's done all right. Yeah, so it feels like it's a real mix this week of very negative social media interactions, yet also some very positive ones as well, which I guess really sums up Jewish life. It's a little bit like that old Jewish joke about the Jewish pessimist and the Jewish optimist. I don't know, have you heard that joke before? No, but I'm wondering how many times you can say Jewish in the build-up to a joke. That <laughs> the Jewish pessimist says, surely things can't get any worse. So the Jewish optimist says... Sure they can. <laughs> Very nice. There you go. That makes me feel happy or sad. I'm not sure. 
I don't know. That's the state of being Jewish. (laughs) Well, then let's try and keep things upbeat and listen to this week's episode. Enjoy the show. This episode of Jude Talking to Me was recorded under lockdown conditions. Hello, I'm Rachel Krieger. And I'm Philip Simon. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Orthodox, so when I have a complex soul-searching question, I speak to my local rabbi. And I'm Reform, so when I have a complex soul-searching question, I ask Google. This is the chat show that's the audio equivalent of Britain's Got Talent. Fun and feisty, but the judges are our mothers. In each episode, we chat to two of our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they falafel in pitta or pints of bitter? Welcome to Jew Talking to Me. Let's introduce our guests. First up is comedian and activist all the way from Israel, Noam Shuster. Hi, that was quick. I'm in England. (laughs) You're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. (laughs) I recovered from Corona and I took the vaccine, so I'm good. Super safe. Noam, regular listeners to the podcast know that we always like to find out how our guests define themselves as Jews. So you already know that I'm Orthodox and Philip's Reform, but what kind of a Jew are you? Oh my goodness. I'm a mixed Jew. That's how I like to call myself. It's like, you know, God, when there was a line for being a mixed, complicated Jews, I was among the first in complications. I am half Ashkenazi and half Mizrahi. My mom was born in Iran. My dad is this blonde Ashkenazi, Romanian. (laughs) (laughs) And I grew up in a mixed household. And my Jewish mixed parents raised me in a coexistence, Arab, Jewish, Palestinian, Israeli, peace experiment. Uh, That's where I am right now. So I'm a mixed Jew who likes (laughs) all the contradictions in identities possible. I really love the idea that you think there was ever a line for God to create uncomplicated Jews. <laughs> you know, like it's just, just the normal Jews over there. But then, I mean, we're all complicated. That's, that's the thing. That's a bit about your background. But what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? It's funny, but you refer to things as Jewish that I see as like our mentality here. For example, when you asked me before, what's the most Jewish joke here? It's, it's a joke. <laughs> it's not a, a Jewish joke. And also because I do comedy in Arabic also for, you know, in front of Palestinian audiences and stuff like that, I noticed that Arabs and Jews or maybe Semitic people, we laugh from the same thing. So we love to call it Jewish humor, but it's like it's things happen to us and we kind of apply to themselves anyway. I tried to sell my iPad. I got scammed. The guy took the iPad and ran away without paying me. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is not really the most Jewish thing that could have happened to me recently, but... Uh, the complaining yeah. about it is the most exactly. Jewish thing. <laughs> and I know you've got a broken foot at the moment. So is that how they managed to run away? How did that happen? I oh, thought I could be this hipster, cool Tel Avivian with bike, with a bicycle. And then I broke my foot. Wow. And I'm here complaining like a Jew, you know, because this is what we do. So, yeah, I had a horrible accident in Tel Aviv and uh, 
my conclusion is that I'm not an Ashkenazi hipster of Tel Aviv that can ride bikes in the city. Well, hopefully we can take your mind off it with the show tonight. So let's bring on our second guest, who is comedian, actor and writer, Josh Howie. Hello, Josh. Hello. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hello, hello. <laughs> so, Josh, what kind of a Jew are you? Just the best. Like all Jews, I'm the best Jew. <laughs> uh, what Jew doesn't think they're the best kind of Jew? Otherwise, you would be the other kind of Jew. I'm sure that Noam thinks that, you know, being a sort of an all-round, Jew, that's the best kind of, you know, not fixating too much. That makes total sense. I fluctuated. I was raised a Buddhist, so no Jewish influence written. My mom's Jewish. And then as a teenager, I became the Zionist and became like a cultural Jew. I was very anti the Jewish religion. And then I went to Israel, got brainwashed, became an Orthodox Jew, then got kicked out and then sort of was like wishy-washy. And then with my wife, we joined a reform shawl and now and sort of, so I'm reform, resorty, whatever. But the point is, wherever it is, this is the right kind of Judaism whatever I happen to be at that particular moment. So Josh, what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you lately? Have you, have you bought a stolen iPad? Uh, <laughs> no, I just grabbed one, actually, after running over this girl. Uh, the most Jewish thing that's happened to me recently is just getting lots of anti-Semitic emails. It doesn't get more Jewish than that. It's really annoying because every time I get an email from a website, you sort of think it's going to be a compliment. Oh, maybe someone's listened to my radio series or maybe, you know, and then you open it up and you're like, you Jew and Palestinians and you know, how, and all Stuff. But it didn't matter that even though I probably got about 20 or 30 emails over those couple of days, even though, by, even by number 29, I would still open the email thinking, is this a compliment? <laughs> We'd all do the same. That's the thing. That was like a really sympathetic laugh. Yeah. Were there any? Were there any that were compliments? No, I actually just have my website just purely to funnel anti-Semitism towards me. It's like a useful way. I think it's amazing when people take the trouble to email you through your website, not just reply to you on Twitter. The stuff that they would write on Twitter, they wouldn't get, a, you know, they'd get away with it. Every account was different. Like, that was what was funny. Like, they'd set up all these email accounts, you know, like, IHateJews.com or whatever. So they had all these different websites. But I don't think they could do that on Twitter because they would get right. Well, they'd get banned eventually, maybe, but they could just send whatever emails they like to you and make yeah. it horrible. Do you think there's a Jewish millionaire who owns IHateJews.com? I don't know, but I'm now going to buy it. <laughs> Let's get something from this hatred. Well, it sounds like you've both had fairly traumatic weeks, actually. Uh, we always like to check in with our guests and find out how you're doing. Uh, so, Noam, what's the matter, Bubbler? Um, you know, I've had a really tough year. When the pandemic started, Rachel met me in the UK, touring all over. You know, every comedian can lie to you and say what amazing things they had lined up <laughs> before the corona but i really did have amazing things <laughs> lined up before the corona you know i was on this harvard fellowship writing a one woman show to to tour in the us called coexistence my ass yes harvard actually gave me money for an artist fellowship to write a show called Coexistence My Ass. I was gonna be in this Women in Comedy Festival by HBO. I met the Dalai Lama. I opened for Maz Jubrani in the Kennedy Center. I did all these amazing things that an Israeli comedian who just got to the US doesn't get to do usually. And then boom, Corona. And then uh, I was actually really sick and I was uh, hospitalized and I recovered in a Corona hotel with Israelis and Palestinians from all walks of different society 
all recovering together in one big Corona hotel. So since then, I've been kind of forced to be here and things have been up and down and things opened up here in Israel because of the vaccine. But now the energy is back down. I don't know why with all these things, but I'm happy to be here with you. It's not like I'm depressed at the moment or something. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I think your next show could be the experience of the COVID hotel. It's very happy news, actually. I'm writing a feature uh, comedy film about it. It's been sold and everything. And we're in Amazing. the process of yeah. We're in the process of writing. It's going to be multilingual with Arabic and Hebrew, and uh, I hope it's gonna be great. Is it going to be the next Shtisel? I think, uh, no. <laughs> but hopefully it will be a funny film. That's lovely. And Josh, how about you? What's the matter, Bubbler? Well, yeah, like similar to Noam, I had quite a lot lined up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I had some gigs. Some of them actually paid over £100. Uh, <laughs> so it's been tough. School started with the kids. And today I packed up. This is how optimistic I am that it's over. Because I packed up the homeschooling kit. I'm more organised. I had just a massive pile of just bits of paper and printouts it was really did go from the floor to sort of waist height and i would just dump it on and all the pen you know so i cleaned all went through all of that and made that space free because either there's in school now and it's over or we go back into lockdown and i kill myself <laughs> either way we will not need any more of that homeschooling crap anymore so that's where i'm at i'm suffering from sort of post-traumatic stress of trying to homeschool five children wow how old is the youngest he's three he's got the coolest name he's called zero after zero mistel and then there's bet who's five she's after the bet midler they're all jewish entertainers we've got woody now he He's named after Woody Allen, but I, I haven't seen the HBO, the documentary yet. So after that documentary, I may well say that he's named after Woody Guthrie. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. And then Art is after Artie Shaw and Mordechai, my eldest, who's 11, is Mordechai Richler, who's one of my favorite writers, Canadian writer, very funny guy. And my cultural recommendation to our listeners is check out Mordechai Richler. He's a Canadian Jew who wrote some great books. As a Jewish mother, the first thing I think when I see anybody is, have you eaten yet? So I'd like to hear from you whether you've got any interesting memories connected to Jewish food or things that happened with Jews around meals. Noam? My favourite topic, my mom was born in Iran, so I grew up in a Persian Jewish kitchen, literally. I was born in a pot of rice with a hair laser treatment appointment like with my <laughs> And you know, some of the frustrating things about being Persian Jewish is that you're expected to always have like good food, which we do. Good food and like traditional Persian Jewish food around the house. And I learned the recipes of my grandma and my mom makes it every Shabbat. Every group, even within the Ashkenazi, the Russians, whatever, everyone, there are stereotypes about them. Yeah. In terms of food with Persians, it's very well known that we eat a lot of rice, a lot of rice dishes. And so Persians are associated with rice here. So when I say that Persian born into a pot of rice, it's like it's a it's a connotation that everyone know here what I'm talking about. And as a stand up comedian, I noticed that people love these jokes about like, oh, I'm Persian. I was born in a pot of rice. Ha ha ha. You know, like all these things. 
And I wanted to make a generational shift. So one day after a show, a successful show, where the jokes that worked the most were jokes about Persian Jewish food and like these jokes, I was frustrated and I was uh, driving home and, and I was planning how I'm going to tell my mom, mom, chalas, I want to change the topics. I don't want to go into these boxes of saying these jokes about traditional Persian food and making these jokes about being burning apart rice and this and this and that. And I'm all determined and motivated to make a feminist change. And then I walk in the house and I literally see my mom bathing her granddaughter in a pot of rice, actually giving her a shower <laughs> in a huge pot. Like, <laughs> And then I told myself, never mind, I'll fix the, the next generation not now <laughs> never mind uh, <laughs> yeah that sounds super cute was there was there rice in there as well or just the child in the pot no it's a huge pot that is used for the persian rice but it's of course uh, empty just with water on the ground and my mom is like bathing my brother is toddler <laughs> that's super yeah. cute the stereotype that ashkenazi food is not good and like mizrahi food is with all the spices and everything and you know so it's very clear cut even though i don't think it's true like some of the traditional european jewish food is very good but it has bad reputation yeah. because the jews coming from morocco and iran and uh, other places marketed their stuff so much better and it tastes so much better so um, <laughs> Yeah, I like how it's like actually, it just tastes better. That's that's what yeah, it just tastes better. It just tastes better. Like, you were nice to the Ashkenazi Jewish food, but yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of jokes at the beginning of Corona about Mizrahi Jews eating Ashkenazi food and thinking that they had the virus because they couldn't taste anything. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I was saying in my Zoom shows when I was sick. I was like, finally, my Ashkenazi dad can cook for me because I lost my sense of taste and smell okay, yeah, anyway. Well, so. <laughs> Josh, what about you? Do you have any particular memories? connected to Jewish food? I can tell you the most, this is, uh, the reason why I'm going to tell you this is just because it's so embarrassing. I know it's interesting because I really don't want to tell you this because it's cringy. Because I got into my Jewish identity sort of 16, 17, watching the film Exodus and then reading and then I almost had to like teach myself this stuff, literally reading books about Judaism, about history and stuff. And then one day my mum had some Jewish friends around for dinner and I thought this is my moment to sort of announce myself like as a Jew now this is my identity and and I said okay I'd like to make a toast to everyone Le Chaim and <laughs> they were like what? I was going you know Le Chaim you know to life for me it's like I still to this day that was what 20-30 years ago I cringe and cry just thinking about how horrible it was and just this look of utter bafflement on their faces but now I can say it really good <laughs> <laughs> that Fine. is a gorgeous story <laughs> So now say it. I've got a block. I can't even say those. I'm afraid of saying any Jewish word wrong. In shul, I'm just mumbled because I'm afraid of just getting it wrong, basically. When my parents were becoming religious, we used to go to these sort of summer and winter camps, which were like for Jews coming back into the fold. And one of the things that they taught us yeah. there, the leaders, the majichim, is that when we did grace after meals, they used to do all these actions like jive hand actions. But because I didn't really know much about very religious life, I thought that they were actually symbolic and meant something and connected to the words that we were saying. So when I was 
trying to really like engage with my Jewishness, I did hand jive actions to grace after meals with profound intention and thought about God so that they would be really meaningful. So did you think it was the equivalent of sign language? I didn't know. For 30 years I've been doing all the hand movements and now I find out it was wrong. Have I got any part of Judaism right? You've worried about it, so yes. Vault. What could be more Jewish than interrupting our own show to remind you that back episodes of the podcast are available on all the usual platforms, as well as our own website, JewTalkingToMe.com. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe and leave a lovely review. It's what your mother would want. We are super impressed that Noam does stand up in Hebrew, Arabic and English. Do you speak more than one language? Are you funny in Finnish, hilarious in Hungarian or witty in Welsh? Tell us all about it and share your favourite foreign words on social media using the hashtag Duolingo at Talking without the G. And now back to the show. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though, if you do, I will remember it forever. But Jews love a broigus. The classic one, of course, being whether you say bagel or bagel. So it's time to hear about your favorite feuds. Noam. Uh, I'll let Josh go first. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, this is just a one hour, right? This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a, a three-day. And are we talking about with I mean, I could probably do an hour just on each of you. That would fill up, you know, but that's not made as personal, all right. But the thing is, I think the worst things are where you don't realize you've annoyed somebody. And I'm really insecure, so I try to be a nice person. That's not who I am inside, but I try to be nice just to be tolerated. But a few years ago, this is the Jewish case, I guess. Jackie Mason was came on his like last ever tour to the UK. It was like his fifth last tour, but this was really it. And my mate had a connection. His friend was like worked for the landlord who had the theatre, who basically could have got these tickets, but they were all sold out. And he said, you know, Josh, comment, he would love to go and whatever. Can you hook him up? And this guy was like, I hate that guy. I hate Josh. When I heard this, I was really shocked because I always thought I got on all right with him and he always had a laugh. But it turns out the last time I'd seen him, he'd arrived and I was doing a Sudoku and I basically ignored him until I finished the Sudoku, which was only like another two minutes. I was just right near the end. And then as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, hey, mate, how are you? And just was like, not, you know, but I got sort of so tunnel vision that I had to finish the Sudoku. But he took it as this massive slight that I blanked him. And I sort of think you never know what's going to really wind people up. And I always think, how many people out there really hate my guts for something that I genuinely just didn't think of? But it's so hard to know where these little things are. Was I wrong doing finishing the Sudoku? It was like two minutes. Does that make me a total... Let's ask the audience. We could do one of those polls. What do you think? A hundred percent, yes. But not just because of the Sudoku. So this person hated you because hated. of that? I mean, look, there's probably his own insecurities and whatever, but he took it as this massive slight that I dissed him, that I didn't immediately get up and shake his hand. He was talking to my friend, he was occupied. I had to finish the Sudoku. You know what it's like when you get to the end of a Sudoku? I got, it's just, that's the whole, that's the rush of the Sudoku. Like you're struggling, you you know, you get, but when you've got that last minute, it's like, I've got nine, yeah, the nine goes there, the eight goes there, and you're proving it. And it's like, yes, but that's the feeling you're going for. Like how dare he think that I should stop getting the pleasure of the hour I put into this just so he could feel okay about himself. You know, screw that guy. It sounds like you're breakers with him now. You turn it around, even talking about, just vocalizing it. Thank you. This is better than therapy. <laughs> I was like, 
There is, of course, yeah. every chance that he will be listening to this show. Um, yesterday, he'd have been like, do you know what? I've forgiven Josh. I've moved on. He's going to listen to this show and go, he hates me. I'm never doing anything for him ever oh, again. He hates all Jews. He liked Jews before the Sudoku. But because of that incident, I have just turned him off. Like, for me, I am. Re that's it. No Jews he will ever do a favour for. Now, he's got a conspiracy theorists about us all doing Sudokus and not like saying hello when they come in. So I'm sorry to the rest of the Jewish people in the world. So I apologize. I like to imagine that he's got a cupboard in his house and when you open it, it's just Sudoku grids with your face in all the boxes. Yeah, but they would be finished. That's Finish the dope Jews. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be putting in candle after. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. No, um, have you had a chance to think of a Brogus? Can I skip it, please? Sure. Of course. Okay. I think that's it. I think this is a deeply offended host <laughs> now. Who knows where this is going to go? You <laughs> asked her the question. She didn't come up with it. She didn't tell us. These Israeli comedians, they think they can just like not do their task. You should have just said you didn't have time to come up with it because you were finishing a Sudoku. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And we're going to use that laughter on the Sudoku <laughs> joke. <laughs> Jews love a connection. They love to know how somebody connects to somebody. But if you think of six degrees of can't eat bacon, who is your most interesting personal Jewish connection? Noam. So I have many and I was, uh, I was having a hard time choosing... But, I mean, you're not going to know who he is, but he's very well known here. Sorry for making everything about Persian Jews. I didn't intend, but my grandmother's name is Malka, which is a queen in Hebrew. And uh, she was born next to the grave of uh, Stern Mordechai in Iran. And so my uh, grandmother is named after Malka, like uh, Queen uh, Malka Esther, Queen Esther. So Queen Esther is the, in my uh, family heritage. So Queen Esther is my first Jewish connection. Isn't that I mean, crazy? Biblical that Queen crazy. Esther, yeah. That is, when you say she was born next to the grave, how close <laughs> yeah, did they I get? Mean, I mean, I didn't mean like the actual grave, but the city where uh, Queen Esther uh, was. Okay, I, I just imagined her mother walking in to the cemetery <laughs> with a thing of rice. <laughs> my second jewish connection is uh it's very uh, embarrassing uh it's not embarrassing it's just it's a way for me to kind of uh, describe to you how uh, mixed and crazy our lives here i'm considered like one of the most leftist like crazy you know uh, jewish comedians here because i perform in front of palestinians and i do comedy and satire in arabic also but my second cousin who is my relative he's the biggest right-wing uh, activist like on social media we don't really talk we don't have a connection because if he goes after me online it's a really 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 dangerous situation so we just ignore each other but i should have given that as an example of the most jewish thing that happens in my life because we like the most contradicting things are always like right next to each other and our relatives in our Jewish family we literally have to face the people that are you know far away from us as possible and we have to kind of get along in one big Jewish family I feel like you've answered that question Bryce <laughs> your personal I feel you, you you've, that's the show that's the show right there you see sometimes when I don't understand something and then I realize that I messed up so something within me wakes up and then I do really, really well after. Well, I, for that, I will raise a glass and say Lachayim. 
How about you, Josh? Who is your most interesting Jewish connection? Apart from present company, former Chief Rabbi Sachs, when he was the, the Chief Rabbi, I did a gig at the, the for the Union of Jewish Students, and he went on before and gave a bit of a sermon and then was like, okay, and now we have some comedy. And I used to have a joke halfway through the set. I, I sort of said, when people first find out I'm a comic after the gig, they say, where do you get your material from? And for me, you know, I meditate and these things kind of just come to me and I write them down. And anyway, I'm going to try out some new stuff. And then I got out this piece of paper and then basically I just did all of his sermon. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, amazing. And that was pretty wow. funny. I mean, I was like, you know, he was pretty cool about it. He was, he was a funny guy, you know, he was a really nice guy. So I was pretty, I was pretty happy to meet him and that he was a cool dude. But he was cool about it. That's a great story, Josh. I've never heard that story before. It's fab. Well, there's so much you don't know about me, Rachel. <laughs> so many stories. <laughs> Well, that's the best one so far. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll do that in my JC column. This show is very much about Jewishness, and we wanted to find out how much that has influenced or impacted your work. Noam, how has your Jewishness impacted on your work? Mm, you know, not at all. I don't notice it. I hardly talk about it. No, <laughs> well, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Seriously. I'm the first Jewish comedian that performed live in the Palestinian Comedy Festival. So that has a huge like meaning to, you know, my Jewishness in a political context here has a lot of meaning in what I try to do with my comedy, you know. After many, many years of like just activism and not thinking that my creative uh, tools and talents can be part of it. And now it's an integral and central part of what I do. And I use my Jewishness to talk about everything. All our contradictions, all our complaining, all our, you know, ups and downs, confusions. My name is Schuster, and I don't look like a Schuster in the in the Israeli context. You know, when I send my CV, sometimes there's a lot of confusion when I walk in the room after they've read like Noam Schuster, and they were expecting a professor from MIT to show up, and I show up, <laughs> and they're like, "Why is the girl from the nail salon here and not Mr. Schuster?" <laughs> and so the not only my you know my Jewishness is part of my creative journey; it's the different dimensions. Uh, of my uh, Jewish identity. Do you think there's a difference between your Jewish identity and your Israeli identity with the work that you do? Yes, I think my Israeli identity contains me into smaller definitions. My Jewish identity allows me to be more universal, more open to the world, more open to the Arab world. My Jewish identity, uh, I think, liberates me, which is it's not only a good thing because uh, we like to suffer, but uh, my Israeli identity it feels like it needs to be contained more because in Israel we are told that we're you know we're Israeli there is no more different definitions but I have contradictions and I have different definitions and so with the help of my Jewish identity I uh, can elaborate on, on this more what I what I don't feel I can do with my Israeli identity that's yeah, yeah. really interesting but not funny <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't all have to be funny but <laughs> it's informative it's interesting and it can sometimes be funny as well that's, that's fine quick Josh make us laugh um, Josh how about you how has your Jewishness impacted on your working life well, when I started, that was very much what I talked about. I had some mad stuff. It feels like there was just anti-Semitic. Like I would, you know, when you got out of London or and I would be in Wales or be in like some weird pub in the middle of nowhere or up north or something. 
And then, so, you know, someone like, I had like a guy, Zeke Kylie, me, I, I've had like crazy anti-Semitic jokes when I'm on stage and just, just sort of madness. And then I kind of stopped talking about the Jewish, my Jewishness on stage because I started having kids. So then it all became about being a dad. And now I'm talking about my Jewishness again, I guess because I got more comfortable also as a Jew that I didn't feel the need to talk about it. I just was living it. But now with what's going on, it's definitely sort of making a comeback. And I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a political comic. I'm definitely talking what's been going more because that, again, this is what's taking up my day to day is being online, being on Twitter, and then just ignoring my children whilst I do it. Yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, I did get a review. It was a show that I did in Edinburgh called AIDS, A Survivor's Story. And it was all about how my generation grew up thinking we all had AIDS. And he wrote in his review, he was like, oh, this is all about the Jewish guy's hypochondria or whatever. And I wrote it, I was like, mate, I didn't mention being Jewish very consciously in that show because for me, that wasn't anything to do with me being Jewish. It was about my generation of people who at that time in the late 90s went through puberty. It was like AIDS was very much everywhere and how that affected us as we are going through puberty and becoming sexually active. But I guess he saw it through the prism of the Jewishness and I got a bit upset about it and he, you know, and he took it out. So I don't know, that's just one example, but there's no answer. And I guess it's just, it comes and it goes depending on my mood is the answer and how belligerent I feel towards the audience. I certainly know if I do talk about being Jewish and I, they don't respond well to it, I will then do another 40 minutes on being Jewish. <laughs> that made you uncomfortable, did it? Okay, let's go. Well, that's nearly all we've got time for, but how will our audience know what you're up to if you never call, you don't write? Normally we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. No, and where can our audience find you? If you're interested in uh, trilingual Hebrew, Arabic, English, uh catches and comedy that I do uh, mostly on my Instagram which is at Noam underscore June and also Twitter Schuster Noam and Facebook Noam Schuster you can find me there's actually a documentary film coming out soon about my uh, journey with COVID and uh, Hotel Corona and a bunch of stuff uh, in the Palestine Comedy Festival and in different places so you can follow this journey and a lot of exciting things that will happen much, 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 much later than I'm working on. And I'm really hoping to make it back to the UK for shows I love, love, love the audiences in the UK. And uh, it's one of my uh, first uh, destinations after the world opens up a bit. Look forward to having you. Yay. Very soon. Lovely. And Josh, where can our audience find you? The, uh, the school gates that seems to be my life it's just <laughs> doing the school run that seems to be a good half of my day find me on twitter being angry at josh x howie and check out my sitcom on uh my radio 4 sitcom josh howie's losing it it's on the bbc sounds website or app or whatever so they're, they're both two series are on there which i'm very proud of and there's a I acted in this sitcom called Hapless. You can find it on the My5 portal or whatever they call it. And, I, and some very exciting news of that, actually. But I can't say what it is, but it's pretty cool. And also, I'm auditioning for a Argos advert that I'll film the uh, audition after this. So you might see me on an Argos advert. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I have absolutely loved this. And from now on, I'll always think of Noam as the Jew whose rice pots need a good washout before supper. And Josh as the Jew who won't stop playing Sudoku long enough to wish you a time. <laughs> and as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls, you must have better things to do than talk to me. And you must have better things to do than talk to us, which is a good thing. And sadly, we've come to the end of this week's show. 
We'd like to thank our guests, Josh Howie and Noam Schuster. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share with everyone you know. And join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Balkin. was uh, hospitalized and I recovered in a Corona hotel with Israelis and Palestinians from all walks of different society, all recovering together in one big Corona hotel. Can I swear in this uh, show? We'll beep some things out, but... We'll beep. It was a great...